Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 1 through 11, 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 8 through 15a, the gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verse 1 through 8, and Psalm 85, verse 1 through 2 and 8 through 13. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. May I speak with fear, trembling truth, love, and grace in the name of God, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. If you're wondering in the right place, I can assure you that you are. So my name is Herschel. Um, I'm a new addition to the Redeemer family. And this has become very real to me in these recent days, not just in this moment as I stand here as today's preacher. It especially became real as I prayed and had the privilege and honor of standing in solidarity with you in sacramental spaces during last week's Eucharist celebration. It has also become very real in your warm and very real invitations, welcomes, and salutations. So who am I? So to reveal something about myself, I'd like to share a story. It is one that I believe relates to today's readings and several important themes of Advent. It is a story that centers on identity, God's promises, and repentance. Identity, God's promises, and repentance. So my story is a testimony. I believe it is one of good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is good news for me, and I pray that it is good news for others. And if I didn't believe it was good news, I shouldn't be standing in this pulpit proclaiming it to you. But I am honored to share this testimony because it is one that has brought me here to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer on Erie Avenue in Cincinnati, Ohio. So my testimony is not a prescription, but an invitation to walk with me in continual response to the good news of Jesus Christ, and an invitation to claim, embrace, and live into the reality that the absolute ruler and real king in my life is Christ. My guess, my hope, is that you are here today because you believe or you are striving, you are hoping, or maybe even interested into living into that reality that Christ is king. So my story begins at a time of crisis. I had been a scientist for, since the age of 17. I lived it, I breathed it, one might even say that I made science the king of my life. Putting science at the center of my life was straightforward and gratifying. I was good at it. I was successful. Science and my achievements gave me value in the eyes of others and myself. Well, let me correct myself. It, I believe it gave me value. But as a result, my identity as a scientist became deeply ingrained and tightly held. And without a doubt, such an identity became an idol. So let's talk about identity. Identity 
The concept and the, re and the reality is very complex. Simply put, our identities relate all things that define our unique personal selves. And I'm ill-equipped to explain all aspects that define identity in comprehensive terms, but I can tell you that our identities dictate our lives. What we value, who we value, governs our worldviews, our, our perceptions of others, including ourselves. Our identities dictate the decisions we make, how we move, exist, interact, and engage in the world. Deep connections between our identity, behavior, and activity in the world highlight the significance of our declaration of Christ being our king, and thus our identities as Christians and as disciples of Christ. My identity as a scientist was challenged over a decade ago. One would say that the Holy Spirit gently confronted me. That would be a very Episcopalian way to put it. However, it felt more like a bulldozer of love that disrupted my understanding of value, my value as a person, and my identity. I was forced into a state of disorientation and disarmed of a great deal of pride. I was sent into the wilderness. Being in such a state enabled repentance and reorientation. It also allowed me to allow Jesus to help me loosen my grip on my identity as a scientist, which allowed me to hear and heed to another calling on my life. I learned that repentance ignites a hope to live into God's promises, participate in God's mission, experience God's love through Christ, and share that love with others. I also learned that one's movement in the world and perceptions of self and others can be transformed drastically through repentance. So my journey continues and I'd be lying to tell you if I told you that it is complete. And I'm grateful to be able to continue that journey here at Redeemer. So now to the text. Our text for the second week of Advent also accompany crisis. During the season of Advent, we are reminded that God entered the world amid crisis and struggle in the person of Jesus. We are also reminded that God remains present during crisis and struggle. However, both will cease upon the final defeat of all forces of evil when Jesus returns in glory. The evangelist wrote the Gospel of Mark specifically for those experiencing crisis and enduring extreme suffering and persecution at the hand of the Roman Empire. In the midst of their struggles and experiences of spiritual, psychological, and physical traumas, the gospel reminded Christians of their true identity as defined by the one whom they identified as their true king in Jesus Christ. The one who brought salvation through his suffering and execution the one who confronted the world's evil forces, the king who reorders the world, not by settling scores with retribution, but instead by transforming his enemies with love and grace. By establishing Jesus' identity, 
The evangelist invites others to assume and live into their identities as followers and disciples of Christ and to live into the hopes and promises of, that God has not forgotten nor despises the world, but has and is redeeming it. The invitation put forth by the evangelist is timeless and has remained through the ages and is placed before us today. However, the ravages of empire remain. We as Americans living in what we call the greatest and most powerful nation on earth must be honest with ourselves regarding the empire status of America. Whether or not we created the American empire, we inherited it. We participate in it. We often collude with it. And some even take pride in it. However, let me be clear. Empire is not a friend of anyone. This statement does not denounce America or Americans because there are good, even great things to like and love about this country. However, I will repeat it. Empire is not a friend of anyone. Empire does not strive towards the well-being and thriving of every created life. Empire puts wealth, resources, knowledge, comfort, and God's abundance in the hands of a few, while others live lives of insecurity, uncertainty, misery, and hopelessness. An empire of human beings are nothing but a form of commodity, and high value is placed on materiality, military force, and war. Empire distorts our understanding of peace, of order, and of happiness. And sadly, empire places more value on the lives of some and less on others. An empire makes our neighbors other. Importantly, swimming in the waters of empire put our identities as Christians in jeopardy. It is at odds with our proclamation of Christ being our true king. It is also at odds with every one of us living into the promises of God and people becoming who God created us to be. Instead of holding most firmly to our Christian identities, empire encourages us to hold on tightly to, even idolize identities of race, of nationality, ethnicity, gender, physical ability, political affiliations, political ideologies, political leaders, economic and social status. The fallout has been is and will continue to be enormous. We now live in a world that is more divided and volatile than ever. We have become a people driven by fear, greed, self-preservation, instead of ones motivated by love, hope, generosity, and grace. But all is not lost. All is not lost in this fight that is bigger than any one of us because we have the promises of God and we have a king named Jesus. 
You can say amen right there. I say amen. <laughs> Interestingly, the gospel of Mark doesn't begin with an origin, an origin story of Jesus. Instead, the evangelist begins with a message of hope, a message of the beginning of the fulfillment of God's promise of deliverance of humanity from the forces of evil and death through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. It is also a message that situates Jesus in God's continuous and new activity in the world. God's good news through Jesus had been in the making for a long time, as was God's will and desire to make this good news of deliverance available to all people through someone who prepared the way for the Lord. This preparation came through repentance with God's help by way of John the Baptist. John's announcement of repentance did not occur in the town square, under an ark of triumph, or in the halls of the Senate, or even in the temple. It was shouted in the wilderness by a shocking and countercultural individual who let the people know that the world was about to be turned on its head by a person by the name of Jesus. Jesus was going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit, our advocate, who orients our hearts and our identities towards a new type of king, one that brings peace, healing, wholeness, and love. I hope as we continue in this season of Advent, we remember John's invitation to repentance. A repentance not of shame, but one of hope that we hold in God's promises. It is also my hope that in our postures of repentance, we journey into our own wildernesses, away from the hustle and bustle of the world, away from the inclinations of empire, where we can look to Jesus for help to loosen our holds on aspects of our identities and dispel allegiances that challenge our Christian identities, that live into God's promises, that proclaim Jesus as the true king, that participate actively and joyfully in the mission of God. I'd like to finish with a statement of God's promises found in Isaiah 42. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people, a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. And let the church say, Amen.